the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia turns the tide of war by capturing Lysychansk. Look, I, I said from the very beginning, Ukraine will lose. Russia will win. A shooting at a 4th of July parade in suburban Chicago leaves six dead and 24 hospitalized. There are no words for the kind of evil that shows up at a public celebration of freedom. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas upholds border policy and says... I think we're doing a good job. He has no enforcement plan. He has done a single thing to slow the flow. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, July 5th. I'm Mike Scott. Russian forces have captured Lysychansk, the last major Ukrainian stronghold in Luhansk, effectively placing under Russian control parts of the eastern region of the country at the center of the conflict in recent months. ABC's Tom Sophie Burridge explains the situation on the ground today in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are being overwhelmed by the Russians out in the eastern Donbass. It's a brutal artillery fight, and despite new weapons for the Ukrainians from the U.S. and the Europeans, the Russians are winning. This morning, Russia advancing again in eastern Ukraine, taking the city of Lysychansk and with it full control of the Luhansk region, the northern half of the Donbass. Russian forces seen celebrating in Lysychansk in this video posted by a Russian Chechen leader. But look at the destruction Putin's offensive brought to the city behind this reporter from Russian state media. The Kremlin-controlled channel also showing Russian and Soviet-type flags placed on state buildings. President Zelensky confirming his troops have retreated from the city, saying it was done to save the lives of soldiers. An American in Ukraine who wishes to remain anonymous spoke with ABC and says right now they're completely outgunned. The front line is basically just the Russians shelling you constantly, indirect fire with either mortar systems or regular artillery. It's really, really, it's hell. The U.S. veterans saying Ukraine needs even more weapons from the U.S. and its allies to halt the offensive out east. The Russians had air supremacy, not just air superiority, air supremacy. And they just targeted us and hunted us 24-7. A Ukrainian official confirmed their troops were withdrawing from Lysychansk to avoid being surrounded. Russia declared capture of Luhansk after months of grueling battle. It signals a small victory for Moscow and demonstrates how the tide of war has shifted since March. K.T. McFarlane is the former Deputy National Security Advisor of the U.S., and she joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss why Russia is winning and what Ukraine can do to salvage their country after the war. Look, I I said from the very beginning, Ukraine will lose. Russia will win. Hmm. It could happen fast. It could happen long. But, yeah, what's happened is that 
it, Russia is just grinding Ukraine into the dust. Ugh. And no matter how many weapons we give Ukraine, unless we're willing to fight World War III over Ukraine, which I do not think we are, mm. um, Ukraine will ultimately be ground into the dust by Russia. Now, I think we should give Ukraine all the weapons it needs to fight for itself by itself. But at the end of the day, the best Ukraine can do is sort of flip the dynamic. Right now, time's on Russia's side. They can fight forever because they have, they're rich. Russia has very high revenues from very high oil and natural gas prices and very high grain prices. Those are Russia's big exports. Wow. So they've got plenty of money in the bank. They can fight for a really long time, and they don't care how brutal this war is. McFarland says that in spite of the bombardment, if Ukraine can continue to exist, they can join the EU. On the other hand, Ukraine is slowly but surely just getting depopulated, getting devastated, bombed wow. to smithereens. It wow. can't go on forever. So if I'm looking at, okay, Ukraine is going to lose the war, but can Ukraine win the peace? I'm looking at the long game. Here's yeah. the long game. The sooner the fighting stops, Ukraine doesn't get everything it wants, Russia doesn't get everything it wants, but at least Ukraine can exist and survive in some fashion. Then Ukraine joins the European Union. They've already, the European Union already is talking about doing that on Friday, of bringing Ukraine into membership, um, you know, candidacy. The Russians have said, oh, we don't care about Ukraine. And, and the European Union, we care about the military. So it looks like that's a pretty clear goal. Ukraine joins the European Union. McFarland says that Ukraine can become fully integrated into Western economies. Ukraine gets massive investment from the United States, from other countries in the West. Corporations are lining up to do business in Ukraine. You know, that's the noble thing to do. Ukraine in five years' time is fully integrated into the Western economies, as much as Poland and France and Germany are. On the other hand, Russia, who's going to invest there? Russia's an international pariah. So is Putin. And no matter the sanctions are lifted, nobody's doing business with Russia. China will buy the oil. India will buy the grain and the natural gas and the oil. But otherwise, Russia is just, is just stagnant. McFarlane also goes on to say that Russia ultimately could simply go bankrupt. So even if Russia wants to, five years from now, attack Ukraine again, go back for the rest of it, they won't be able to. They won't have the military resources to do it. And particularly if an American, if America elects a Republican president who then says, okay, end of the war on fossil fuels, we're going to produce uh, abundant American oil and natural gas. Yep. The price goes down, Russia's then bankrupt. At least six died and 24 were wounded in a shooting at a 4th of July parade in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park. Officers say a man remains in custody after the deadly mass shooting. Police say Robert Cremo III was arrested last night on Route 41 in the Chicago suburb of Lake Forest following a brief pursuit. That manhunt began hours earlier after the gunman fired a weapon on a crowd attending that 4th of July parade. Lake County Major Crimes Task Force spokesman Christopher Covelli said at a news conference, the gunman apparently opened fire on parade goers from a rooftop using a rifle recovered at the scene. Sergeant Christopher Covelli says he believes the spectators were targeted. 
Very sad situation where it sounds like spectators were, were targeted and, and even those that were marching through. The parade was approximately three quarters of the way through uh, when the shooting occurred. So uh, very random, very intentional, uh, and a, a very sad day. Commander Chris O'Neill with the Highland Park Police Department says that they're grieving with the families who lost loved ones. We're all grieving for the families and friends who lost loved ones today. Those injured and everyone impacted by this horrific, senseless, random act of violence. O'Neill asked people to contact the Highland Park PD if they have any footage of the tragedy on their phones. Anyone with video, photos, or other evidence urged to contact Highland Park Police Public Safety Dispatch at 847-432-7730. We will provide a tip line. This information will be in short order. Highland Park Mayor Nancy Rottering says that instead of celebrating, her community is grieving. On a day that we came together to celebrate community and freedom, we're instead mourning the loss, the tragic loss of life and struggling with the terror that was brought upon us. At a hastily called news conference, Governor J.B. Pritzker says he and President Biden want to end mass shootings in the U.S. A little while ago, I spoke with President Biden who pledged all support the White House can provide. The president agrees with me. This madness must stop. Pritzker says the entire state is mourning victims of the Highland Park shooting. There are no words I can offer to lessen the pain of those families who will no longer associate the 4th of July with celebration, but instead with grief. Please know that our state grieves with you that MK and I and our family grieve with you. Police for now have not released any details about the victims or the wounded. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Sunday defended the Biden administration's immigration policy following the deaths of 53 migrants who were abandoned in the back of a tractor trailer saying immigration officials have repeatedly warned against traveling to the southern border. In the wake of the San Antonio tragedy and our Homeland Security Investigations is the lead federal agency um, investigating uh, what occurred and um, working with the United States Attorney's Office and the prosecution of thus far four individuals who've been charged with that heinous uh, crime. We're working with our partners to the south because this is a regional challenge that requires a regional response. But they got past the U.S. US border officials. Oh, so we have a multi-layered approach, uh, Margaret. We, of course, have our inspections at the port of entry. Mayorkas went on to say that human smuggling has become very sophisticated. We then have checkpoints uh, that are staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Laredo checkpoint in question, 10 to 14,000 vehicles pass through that checkpoint every day. So um, how did this, this smuggler get these alone, people across? 53 people died. These are very sophisticated transnational criminal organizations. Uh, they have evolved over the last 30 years. The secretary said migrants traveling through Central America to cross the U.S.-Mexico border illegally often receive false information from smugglers that encourages them to attempt the journey. Tom Homan, former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, joined 
America First with Sebastian Gorka to discuss the border crisis. No, we got the first Secretary of Homeland Security that I've ever seen is complicit in cross-border crime. Look, everything he has done, he's been in power 16, 17 months. Yeah. And the numbers keep climbing and climbing and climbing. He tells the Senate, the Senate uh, during the Senate hearing, well, we got a plan. The plan is coming together. Unless his plan is open borders, which he's proven that's what it really is, he has no enforcement plan. He has done a single thing to slow the flow. Holman says that, in his opinion, Mayorkas doesn't want to slow the flow of immigrants over the border. And what's really pathetic is the Secretary of Homeland Security in the White House, when they get ordered by a judge, you know, you're going to do this to secure the border, they immediately appeal it. They yeah. don't want to secure the border. They haven't done a damn thing to slow the flow. Governor Gavin Newsom is running for re-election in California, but his latest television ad is airing in Florida. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has details on this political story. The 30-second spot airing on Fox News in Florida takes shots at Governor Rick DeSantis and his policies while drawing a contrast with California. Newsom says in the ad that he urges Florida residents to join us in California. Newsom has said he has no interest in running for president, but the ad is sure to stoke speculation that the 54-year-old Democrat is eyeing national office. Meanwhile, a Florida state official tweeted pictures showing various California homeless encampments and trash-strewn beaches. John Scott reporting. NPR, or National Public Radio, ended a tradition started in 1988 on Monday, canceling the annual July 4th reading of the Declaration of Independence and instead hosting more liberal thinkers in its broadcast for a conversation on equality. Douglas McKinnon served in the White House as a writer for Presidents Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush, and he joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss his book, The 56, which tells stories about the signers of the Declaration of Independence and how the celebration of Independence Day may one day be erased by cancel culture and political correctness. McKinnon tells the Salem Radio Network how the inspiration to write the book came to him about a year ago. On the 4th of July of just last year, I was taking a little bit of a tour through some of the more liberal networks and news sites out there, and I saw guest after guest after guest talking about not only canceling the 4th of July, but canceling the Founding Fathers and canceling the American flag. And I decided at that point I wanted to stand up and defend them, and so I started writing the book exactly on the 4th of July last year. McKinnon contends that the 56 signers deserve to be remembered in the context of their times rather than through bias perspectives, which diminish their accomplishment. If our history was bad, let us condemn it and learn from it. If our history is good, let us praise it and build upon it. But let us never, ever cancel our shared American history. And so what people are going to find out is these were some of the most remarkable people that created the greatest nation on the face of the earth. McKinnon emphasizes the acute personal risks which the signers took in the events which came to fruition on the 4th of July. Each and every one of those 56, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they understood that they were literally signing their own death warrants. And then a number of them were arrested, had their homes burned to the ground, had their livestock slaughtered, had their wives arrested, their wives in prison, their wives sexually abused, their sons shot before their eyes, 
it's one of these things, again, where this was an incredible act of courage. McKinnon goes on to say that the threats to cancel the 4th of July are real and that the history of the founders must be told. This was an incredible act of courage for these men to do that and for some out there to decide we want to cancel them and cancel the 4th of July. Again, to me, that's a, that's a five-alarm fire that we have to speak out against and try to preserve the not only the history of our nation, but but the courageous acts of these men. McKinnon says he's concerned about the influence which so-called cancel culture has gained over channels of communication. The left has gotten control of what I call the five major megaphones of our nation, that being the media, academia, entertainment, and of late, as we've seen, science and medicine. And they can actually accomplish much more through omission than anything else. If they don't talk about it, if they don't report it, if they don't write about it, it didn't happen. McKinnon says he's calling for awareness and action on behalf of liberty, similar to what the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence accomplished. Every single day, our rights are being taken away, our liberty is being taken away, and it's what these 56 men talked about. Unless and until they imprison us, or unless and until they take our lives, they cannot silence us. They cannot take our voices. And so one of the things that we can do as Americans who do believe in this country, who do believe in the rule of law, who do believe in liberty, is to start speaking to each other and start having these conversations. The number of U.S. flights being canceled is slowing down. But plenty of travelers are facing long delays as they try to get home from trips over the 4th of July holiday weekend. By early Monday afternoon on the East Coast, more than 1,300 U.S. flights had been delayed, and nearly 200 were canceled, according to FlightAware. The good news is that's fewer delays and cancellations than we've seen in recent days, and industry experts say airlines are struggling because demand for travel has recovered from the bottom of the pandemic faster than anyone expected. That's causing airports to be almost as crowded as they were in 2019 before the pandemic. However, many top Democrats say that Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg isn't doing enough to ease delays and cancellations. Senator Bernie Sanders and Representative Ro Khanna say the secretary needs to refund passengers delayed over an hour and fine airlines $55,000 for each passenger. On Sunday, over 300 flights were axed and over 4,300 delayed. And Democrats are turning to Buttigieg to find a way out of the mess. FlightAware spokeswoman Kathleen Bang says cancellations are not as bad as they have been, but delays continue to be worrisome. I think what's frustrating people is the delays. One out of four flights roughly are delayed, and they're delayed anywhere from about 40. We saw an average of 52 minutes this weekend. And, of course, that's definitely enough to miss a connecting flight. Bang says airlines have cut back on the number of flights, and that has helped. They definitely have cut some flights, which is, you know, it's, it's not going to see an impact on pricing for people, so they're certainly not going to see fares go down for a while. But I think it's certainly helping with the cancellation and delay rate. The financial markets will be listening closely this week when we hear from the Federal Reserve. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason has what to look for in the markets this week. 
On Wednesday, the Federal Open Market Committee releases the minutes of its latest policy-setting meeting. The next day, two central bank officials, St. Louis Fed Chairman James Bullard and Fed Governor Christopher Waller, will deliver remarks. Also this week, we get an update on orders to American factories. The weekly unemployment report is due Thursday, while Friday brings an update on consumer credit for May. Consumer borrowing totaled $38 billion in April. Rich Thomason reporting. And finally, the chips are down, way down. The Department of Natural Resources broadened the recreational appeal of Delaware's renowned artificial reef system by sinking the Texas Star, originally outfitted as a floating casino. Daybreak Insider's Jason Walker has this story. A boat once used as a floating casino has been sunk off the coast of Delaware to become part of that state's artificial reef program. The Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control says a marine contractor handled the sinking of the 180-foot-long Texas Star. Authorities say it will boost the recreational fishing and diving experience in Delaware. Jason Walker reporting. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.